0: This is Chris and Sandy Benton with The Chris and Sandy Show, where we get up close and personal with some amazing rising artists. And today, like I'll, I always say, we've got amazing, too, because they're all great. we got Karen Waldrop coming, and she's done some amazing things. I think you're going to love her. I know we love her. Um, so it's going to be really awesome, really awesome show. So, Karen, are you here?
1: Yes, I'm here. How is everybody doing? Oh, we're doing good. 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 Doing pretty good, sitting on the front porch. Ah can't beat that. <laughs> nice, weather, <huh? laughs> nice weather right now. Huh? Oh, yes. It's doing good. I'm doing good in Nashville. It's been quite the ride, but I feel like I'm doing pretty good. Uh, can't complain.
0: Oh, that's good. <laughs> so, so as we get started here, tell everybody a little bit about who you are, where you're from, and a brief overview of you.
1: So I'm originally from a little town outside of uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, called Mandeville. And uh, I grew up there with a great family, and I just really love South Louisiana. And uh, and I play music, and I live in Nashville, and I've been able to really grow my career doing a lot of things online and trying to connect with people um, in a much different way, um, basically using the Internet. And so it's been quite the ride. It's been been quite the journey. So, so I make music, and I record music, and I kind of get to sing what I want and write what I want, and it's really <laughs> a great thing.
0: And, you know, I remember we interviewed um, Kelly from CDX Nashville a lot long ago, and we we discussed about – because cause a lot of people, when they look at the music industry, they see the Blake Shelton's and the Carrie Underwood's, and then they see people that are struggling. They don't realize there's a lot of levels in between where there's a lot of artists that are living on this full time.
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. It's definitely a great – I mean, it's a great gig, that's for sure
0: especially to do it your because again you know with people with labels they can't do it their way in most cases but to be an independent artist to do it your way I mean that's really the definition of success in my eyes
1: well thank you thank you it's definitely I don't think anybody really sets out for that I think everybody just kind of you know has their own ride and and goes through their musical journey and takes opportunities that come along and they just kind of Mm -hmm. find themselves in a certain place so I think for the independent artists that are really doing well we're kind of like sweet like we didn't even know this was an option 10 years ago yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're
0: Like sweet. because yeah, really well. i remember what joe was talking about that if if you go to a label too soon you've screwed yourself even if you don't even if you don't see it you've screwed yourself because <laughs> he, he talked about yeah. there's no reason <laughs> that people can't make a career without a label for now and then when, they're, when their um, business gets so big where they can't control it, so that's when you need a label.
1: Well, I, I, I think that's probably true, definitely.
0: <laughs> so as we get started here a little bit, um, I always like to go on a little soft note before we dig deep. So what are some hobbies you like to do outside of music?
1: Well, I really love to travel, you know, and that works out well. And I think there's a certain part of musicians <laughs> that kind of have that travel bone, you know.
2: It's honestly yeah. part of,
1: it's part of the thrill, you know? It's really a thrill to know that like I just got a gig yesterday. It's like the gig is literally in a town called Surprise, Arizona. And I said, "Go figure, the <laughs> first gig I get after the coronavirus oh, stuff cool. is in Surprise, Arizona." So wow. I'm <laughs> but anyway, what
0: Surprise going to be there? Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, so that's
1: kind of the thrill, you know, to know that you get to go to a place that you've never been and meet people you've never met, mm-hmm. expand your music to people that have never heard you. I mean, that's definitely part of the thrill, you know, that we get.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I feel like travel for sure. I love international travel. I love to see the world. I love to try different, speak different languages and use different currencies. And I oh, think wow. I just really love that. Yeah. And then I love to scuba dive. I love to see the ocean. So I really mm-hmm. like the... um the exploration of the world in under the sea, you know, in different lands. Like, I just really love that. There's nothing to me that's more Mm -hmm. of a thrill than walking into, like, a coffee shop in a foreign land Mm -hmm. with people that look different than you and people who are speaking a different language and just have a cup of coffee uh, and just kind of be, you know? Like, to me, that's a thrill. It's like
2: being in a grocery
1: store in Ireland, you know? It's just everything's so different. (laughs) So I love that. So travel (laughs) for sure.
0: You know what's funny is you're talking about travel. Um, when when you, you know, I guess within the last year, I've read two different articles, and and one was that music that um, the happiest people are people that can go to, meet, to concerts and stuff, and that it, it does something to the body, and then the other article talked about that the happiest people are people who travel. So you combine both.
1: <laughs> oh well, there you go. There you go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> so you got the best of both worlds there because because you're at a concert every time you do it because you're the person and then you know and of course you go to concerts and then of course traveling to do all this.
1: That's it. That's it. It's definitely uh definitely crazy. And it's crazy being in other lands and being on stage and in mm-hmm. different lands that they speak different languages that's been really a thrill too. <clears throat>
0: that's cool. So um what's something quirky about you?
1: I do not eat donuts. Okay, I will oh, not. Oh wow! Eat <laughs> Don't even. I won't even look at a donut. A donut to me is disgusting. <laughs> I am like oh, a, wow. a family joke. So all my, all my nephews, they buy me donut stuff. I have a donut umbrella. I have little donut pajamas. <laughs> I got the coasters. Like I got the little wine mm-hmm. donut wine mm-hmm. stopper. Like they buy me all the donut stuff. Because they
0: rub it in I a guess, little bit.
1: Yeah. So I just can't yeah. eat donuts. And so my nephews accused me of, they're like, Aunt Karen, we know why. And I'm like, why? And they're like, because mom told us when you were a little girl, you bit into a donut and there was a roach in it. And I was like, what? <laughs> I don't even remember oh that. Like, it was a little girl. Like That's what my sister claimed. So anyway, after that, no donuts. But then they like to tease me and send me donut rafts for the pool <laughs> it's like a
0: whole thing. Oh, that's Don't, funny. You know, to be honest, that's one of our favorite questions to ask. You never know where what where it's going. We we've had, had some really answers to cool answers.
2: <laughs> yes,
0: we love it.
1: That's, I've never shared that story before. So good, uh, good question.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, at what age did you look at yourself and say, "I can do this as a career"?
1: Um, okay, so I was a junior in college. I was uh, at the University of Southern Mississippi, and I was a uh, junior, so I guess that would make me, like, 20, 21,
2: Mm -hmm.
1: and uh, I was at this party with my guy that I was with at the time, and he said, uh, why don't you move to a music city, like New York or L.A. or Nashville, because I'd already been playing in all these, like, yeah crawfish boils and festivals and fairs and all this like stuff and I was already making pretty good money and I was like okay like why not (laughs) good point (laughs) it was kind of like good point good idea you know and after that I just kind of decided that I would rather be in a city that had a music uh, community and a music um, outlet you know and so to me Mm -hmm. that really I didn't know you know what city that was but Then I drove to Nashville, and it was driving distance from New Orleans, so it just made sense. You know
0: Mm -hmm. what I mean? Oh, wow. So how's Nashville been for you since you moved?
1: You know, I feel like Nashville is like a little, um, I know this sounds crazy, but like I think the more you honor Nashville, the more Nashville honors you. So like as long as you love this town, take care of this town, support this town, do local business here. Like, as long as you really love Nashville, like, Nashville will love you back. And I feel like I've had so many creative opportunities in this town. And Mm -hmm. um, just everybody that I've met and gotten to work with, like, there's no, absolutely no way that I could have done that on my own. Like, all that stuff, you know? From my publicist to my photographers, which he's actually out of Memphis, but you know what I mean? Um, To just, you know, all the people who've been a part of the studio, producer, you know, Garth Fundus, like everybody that I've been able to work with musically. Uh, My saxophone Mm -hmm. player who's from Pennsylvania. I mean, the list goes on and on. I could just keep going. It's like Mm -hmm. the songwriters, my my friend Ed Hill, he's from Bakersfield, um, California. You know, all these people who come here. That are just so talented that you get to work with. Um, I think that's been the biggest thing. You know, Nashville's been really good to me in that way.
0: It's really a community.
1: Sure. Yes. Absolutely.
0: And and, and you know one of the, one of the stories I have from Nashville, even though know, we've never visited yet, we're going to be visiting in September, and then we're planning on moving there next year. But I oh, remember. Um, well, thanks. I remember, and and this now to some people this would be something small. To me, this is huge because it showed me wh- where Nashville really stands. But and this was before the tornadoes. Like, granted, when the tornadoes happen, you've really seen Nashville in action. But before the tornadoes happened, I remember I posted out six, seven months ago about um, if anybody, and, and we're in Savannah. So, of course, I got a lot of Savannah mm-hmm. friends, too. And I got a lot of Nashville friends. And, and, I, and I pitched out there looking for someone local here in Savannah if anybody had like an extra podcast mic type thing that I can get from them. And I'm, and I'm expecting Savannah here. I had a friend of mine from Nashville private messaged me and said, what's your address? I've got one. I'll give it to you.
1: See, there you go. <laughs>
2: and that, <laughs> that told me, you know, that's that, a that
0: sign. showed me the power of Nashville. And what's funny is I mm-hmm. remember, because we've been, Sandy and I have been going back and forth. We want to move to Nashville. Because we even want to move to Florida, or actually Florida for a while, Jacksonville. And our heart's been there, but we can't – we ain't been able to really create real meat because we go to Jacksonville a lot um, because we're only two hours away from there. Um, But it's like we could never create any type of connections there. We love the area, but the connections are just not there. And one day, I guess about six, seven, eight months ago, I was telling Sandy, I was like, you know, maybe God has a different plan here because we're trying all these connections down here. Nothing seems to work, but yet 90% – the people we know are in Nashville <laughs> And I'm sitting there like Okay um, there's something happening Behind the scenes that, I didn't, that I'm not realizing And then I had my friend Matt He called me up one day And he knows we've been going back and forth On where we should move when, next year Between the two cities and, and he says look I know you love Jacksonville He says your butt needs to be in Nashville He, he says what you're doing And everything and these he Artists love you he, he he went on to say. He says I've watched you post about Jacksonville on Facebook. Nobody comments. Nobody from Jacksonville comments. When you post about Nashville, because all these artists are telling you to come. He says that should tell you. He says he said, you're supposed to be. He says you may hate me, but you're supposed to be in Nashville. And he says if you still choose Jacksonville, I'll still be your buddy, and I'll still respect your decision. He says, but I'll always believe you're supposed to be in Nashville. <laughs> well,
1: that's a big choice. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we finally, and, and you know what? We got an eight year old, which you'll hear from him later because we mm-hmm. always bring him on to ask one question. Um, but we got an eight year old and a 15 um, month old daughter. And we're like, you know, when you look at opportunities for them and you compare Jacksonville and Nashville, well, there's no comparison. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. So,
2: I'll give you that. you know,
0: I mean, I've had friends of mine say, you know what? If y'all were up here, I could put your eight year old in a video that I'm doing because I needed an eight year old. And I'm like, well, we need to be there. <laughs> there you go. So so when you look back on your career so far, and you've done a lot of great things, what are some moments that really stand out where you're like, wow, I got to do that?
1: Oh, my gosh, so many. Um, you know, the one, the first one that comes to mind is uh, just getting to ride up the Eiffel Tower and down. Oh, well. You know, and just, I've always wanted mm-hmm. to go to France. I've always wanted to go to Paris. I've dreamed about Paris. I've written songs about Paris. I've always wanted to go, and music paid for that. And that was just mm-hmm. really cool that I got to do that, like, you know, with, you know, on behalf of, you know, my my music career, mainly because I was touring in Europe. And the mm-hmm. tour was from London to uh, Liechtenstein, and we did, uh, mm-hmm. we rode the train, actually and up to Sweden, we actually obviously flew to Sweden, that's a whole other conversation, but that whole entire fun like that was you know, that was a moment that we were passing through Paris and just felt good to to get to do that but like, as far as musical um, moments, you know I feel like my mm-hmm. my Mission of uh, Hope work with uh, Mission of Hope mm-hmm. Haiti I feel like that's been a oh, really wow. great uh, rewarding thing, you know, we've built houses, we've collected you know i think over i can't remember the last time I, ne- I really need to check before i go spitting numbers but we've built like several houses um i know we've raised at mm-hmm. least twenty thousand dollars plus i can't remember i don't know exactly the number but oh, i mean wow. we're it just love being a part of that and getting to travel there
0: mm-hmm.
1: and getting to play music we went like it was almost like we were like a um an old school like mardi gras parade in a way we were like a circus they like Took us town to town in Haiti to all these little tiny towns that were yeah. like dirt huts. And we had the saxophone mm-hmm. and the guitar and a, just a tambourine with a bunch of egg shakers. And we went town to town and then we went to different like little areas and played music for different, you know, like there was like an orphanage mm-hmm. and then there was like little towns. And and it was just so great. And so getting to go and see Haiti and experience Haiti mm-hmm. Um, really broadened my entire, like, thinking as far as how lucky I am, you know, as far as mm-hmm. it kind of changed my thinking mm-hmm. in a way, and, it, and it, yeah. it, it also allowed me for the first time to really open up publicly and uh, about my faith and not, mm-hmm. you know, not oh, wow. worry really about talking about that because I was, like, so moved mm-hmm. By,
0: mm-hmm. by just
1: the, the experience. Anyway, and one of my favorite stories about Haiti, which I'm kind of all over the place about this, but we went to one of the little <laughs> villages and we were playing and mm-hmm. we had these little egg shakers and they were just egg uh-huh. shakers I had in my in my music room they weren't really anything I planned I just threw them in threw them in because it was last minute and they were small and i was like somebody could yeah. play it you know so i threw them in well when we get there little did i know these little boys were like obsessed with them y'all cuz they have nothing these kids have nothing <laughs> Oh, Nothing. Wow. oh wow these kids are like obsessed with the little egg shakers so they're playing these egg shakers i have video <laughs> co- content of it i actually have they're busted i have video content of them because i know exactly which little boys they were so they're playing with the egg shakers and <laughs> playing music and everything's great well one of them says to the translator he says to the translator hey translator can you tell her that i want the egg shaker so the translator says sure. he, he wants to know if he can have the egg shaker, and I told him back, I said, no, I can't give you the egg shaker because we have a bunch of other little towns that we have to visit. Other people probably want to play mm. with this egg shaker, so, mm-hmm. so so he tells the little boy that, and so they keep playing with the egg shaker. Well, all of a sudden, y'all, the boys are gone. I mean, God. <laughs> wow. The boys. They robbed me. Y'all. They robbed me of my sugar. But anyway, it was just such a cool moment because they were like, "Screw you! We love music so much that we're taking yeah, it no matter what." And I love the fact that they have them. <laughs>
0: oh, yeah, they they music! So Real bad. Music really does yeah. connect us all.
1: It does. They were I mean, so sweet. I'll never forget
0: thing. those little boys. <laughs> <laughs> I love that story because you know, and you know. That's Jack, and I love the way it ended, you know, because they were like, you know what, this is ours now.
2: Right, we That's need that.
0: Yeah, we're taking it. <laughs> I'm like, next time I'm going to bring 20 oh. of them in my bag and just, you know, one to each town. <laughs> yeah. Because, you know, it's like, you know, it's like they say um, if you got a toddler, um, when we do, what she touches yeah. is hers, period. If she sees it, it's hers.
2: (laughs) If she wants it, if she sees it, it's hers. (laughs) If she yep.
0: So one thing I like to do too, once we talked talked about a few um, highlights, I like to go the other way because I think a lot of people don't understand. You know, they see the glory, but they don't see the grind. They see the Blake's and the and the um, carries and all that, and they see that the you know, oh, it looks so so awesome. Look at what, how the life they're living. But they don't see the grind that it takes. They don't see the struggles. They don't see the sacrifices. And a lot of people miss that side of it. So I like to go the other way some on that because I like to bring that out. <clears throat> and I'll tell a little story to lead us into where I want this to go. In 2014, we interviewed Allison Steele from Two Still Girls. And at that time, they were full time with music back then. questions I asked Allison was, what advice would you give an up-and-coming artist? And her words were, this is going to sound funny coming from someone full-time, but if your heart will allow you to do anything outside of music, go do that and keep music as a hobby. She, goes, she said, because once you make it a career, it changes everything. She goes, yes, it's still your passion, but it's also now your job. And she goes, whether you're happy, it don't matter. You could have the worst day today, but you've got to be on that stage tonight if you've got a gig and smile like it's no tomorrow. She goes, there are sacrifices to family, not just her and her daughter, who were the front people. She goes, but the whole family has had to sacrifice everything. There are birthdays that they miss, so many things that they've missed because they're trying to chase this dream. She goes, but if your heart will not allow you to do anything outside of music, then go all in because that's the only way those kind of sacrifices will ever be worth it. What do you think of what she said? And let's go there a little bit about that side of it.
1: Um, I would say the sacrifices for me, like, have been, yeah, definitely extreme. You know, the one that comes to mind is you, we were talking about Europe. You know, I remember we had to like fly through Germany and all nighters and deal with these assholes. With the freaking luggage claim, not not to be, you know, ugly towards Germans, but man, they're not messing yeah. around with the baggage, man.
2: So anyway, wow. like. This,
1: all the stuff that you have to go through and then like to finally get to the mm-hmm. other end and like I literally one moment I almost passed out because it was so like it was the night was so long. I think people forget like how early our mornings are and like how how hard mm-hmm. we grind. We just grind. Like we grind, grind, yeah. grind. I mean we love it. Mm-hmm. But we grind. Like think twice about like oh the gig is from, you know, seven to 11, then you have to get in the car, and then you have to – someone has to drive you out through the night through Germany and connect through Frankfurt and fly into Sweden and then get there and then be at sound check at 4.30. Like, no one told you that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so you forget <laughs> about – like, people are – like, you know, and then, like, the other night we were filming, and the people in the crowd, you mm-hmm. know, and it's like, hey, another take. Okay, wait, hold on. Got to change this. Another take. Like, people forget <laughs> – how much work it is you know what i mean like it's a lot of work too it's not like and that's the thing about it it's kind of like a game it's kind of like a trick yeah brad paisley brad paisley said this one time and i really love this and it kind of supports what i'm saying but like he said one time like and this is like just an analogy of like the entire music loving experience but like he said whenever i was a kid and i would go to a concert i would always wonder what was behind the stage i was always wondering what was behind the stage like what is it what's back there what's back there and uh, he said, then I started making music and I realized that what's behind the stage is a bunch of cables and gear and me. Mm-hmm. And he was like, and everybody thinks that's so cool. And that's kind of how I feel. Like, it's like, everybody thinks it's so mm-hmm. cool. But when the truth of the matter is like, come, like step into the VIP room five minutes before we open, it's a freaking chaos. It's like <laughs> light that candle, <laughs> move that table. Oh crap. We forgot. We got to get the water out. Like, it's like totally, you know what I mean? Like it's such a, <laughs> it's such a crazy experience, but people just love it, and we just yeah. have so much fun. and We work our butts off, but we create a fun experience that people just have mm. a great time. So anyway, and I would and you say know what? That I get hard that.
0: work. Yeah. And, you know, I get that because I'm, we go to a large church, and, you know, we've been going to church for years, but I never, you never really see behind the scenes. Especially but the larger church, the more happens behind the scenes a lot of people don't know. And I've been volunteering now at our church. Since 2010. So, you know, anytime we go to our church, which of course would be great once we can go back to church again, but anytime yeah. we go um, back to, when we're at church, we always get a sheet that says um, line by line of, you know, this song's got to happen, this, 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 a whole thing for the whole service. And I, I never realized until I started volunteering how much work goes in behind the scenes so that that pastor can get up there and preach
1: oh absolutely absolutely and that actually reminds me of a story one time I was playing this gig in um, Mm -hmm. Michigan and it was at this uh, high school gymnasium and a lot of the little little, uh, details had not been like executed like the lighting and things like that so Uh I was just kind of like helping with some of the stuff like hey someone go grab this someone go grab this I'm like kind of helping and like bossing everybody around if you will and uh and this little girl this little girl looks up at me, y'all, and she says, Oh my gosh, is it always like this before the show? And I looked at her and I was like, Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, this is totally normal. She's like, Oh my gosh, this is crazy, you know. But it's fun. We have a great time but it is a ton of work.
0: And I think that's the part and the reason why I like to bring this side out is I think a lot of people don't see that side of it too often. And and even when you're on like you know doing interviews out there, this side don't get brought out because a lot of again people come in into the music thing and thinking all I gotta do is say, I've got a great voice or they think they do. Let's say they do, I've got a great voice. All I gotta do is get up there and sing. And anybody that believes that will quit. <laughs> well, that's for dang sure. <laughs> 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 Because I, <laughs> I get frustrated Like when you see people on Facebook or people you may know. And, and I've heard this comment a lot of times. And a lot of artists i talked to have heard it too, they've said, where they're like, you know, artists should get a real job. And I cringe when I hear that because I'm always like, um, you know, tell people don't tell artists to get a real job because they've actually got something better, a passion that drives them. You know, a lot of times I think that comment sometimes comes from people that lost that passion. And here's what I mean by that: <clears throat> I've got friends of mine that let's say are 10 and 15 years in their career, and they're miserable. and And I always like to tell this story because I want people people to know: don't steal people's passion, because this is this is the result of that. I've got friends of mine that are 10 and 15 years in their career; they're miserable. And you sit down with them, and you're like, you know. Man, you've got this great lifestyle. You've got this great family. You've got this awesome career, and then they're like, "Uh, uh, uh, nope, nope, nope. That's the problem. The career is the problem." And I'm like, "Well, you went to six years of college or four years of college, whatever it was. How, how is that the problem? This is what you, this is what you've always wanted to do." And then they'll stop me and say, "No, it wasn't. I had other things I wanted to do, but my parents or my guidance counselor or my friend said." oh, I should do this because that's where the money's at. So they chase that instead of their actual passion, and now they're miserable.
1: It definitely, if you do what you love, it definitely makes you more balanced. Not to say it's easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's definitely not easy. Oh, yeah.
0: Because um, yeah, I think, you know, because we've been part of many different um, industries over the years. Um, and when I look at all the things that people do, I truly believe, and it don't matter where you, it don't matter whether you're hosts like us, whether you're artists like you, whether you're producers, whether you're record label. I don't. I believe that the music industry is the hardest industry to make it in. Well, thank you. (laughs) And I think that's a big compliment. And it is. It really is. I mean. And, you know, a lot of people are like, well, social media has been a game changer. But you know what? Social media has made it harder because before social media, you could go to a record label and sing for them. And if they loved you, they'd sign you. Now because of social media, you can forget that. You you could have the voice of Carrie Underwood, but if you've got no social media following, you can forget it. They're not signing you.
1: That's interesting, yeah. I mean, I don't know. I just – Yeah, I mean it definitely is a it definitely is a hard business, but at the same time, uh, I believe that the internet's a really great tool
0: for well, musicians. It's been, it is a great tool. Oh, it definitely. I mean, it's one of them double edged swords. It's like it's great, and, and and you know, you know, it's gotten people a lot noticed like you. You know, you're able to do what you do because of the internet. If you took that away. Be, it would be a game changer for you. <laughs> so, oh, you know, yeah. I get it, you know, it, you know, the internet is definitely it's been great, but you know, to move up to the higher higher, you know, to basically to get signed as you know record labels no longer for the most part. Now they don't always do this, but for the most part a lot of them are no longer risking money for artist development. They're like, "You know what? You come to me developed, following, we'll talk." And, and I believe social media kind of started that process.
1: Interesting. Yes, probably so.
0: <clears throat> so, I mean, that's just, again, some, again and that, that, again, makes it even harder again because, you know, because of the Internet, everybody, whether they're good or not, now can try to compete. So, again, it's one of them things where, it's, and then there's, you know, it's it's a balance, you know, just like, you know, with music, you know, everything is a balance. And, you know, same way with the Internet, it's, it's a balance you know you have great things about it, but now, instead of you know competing with x amount of people, the serious people, now you're competing with all the hobbyists too, yeah I guess so,
1: I don't know, I don't really necessarily look at it as a competition as much as
0: yeah, um just well, you know what really I really mean. yeah. yeah doing
1: your thing. For example, my old manager, I used to work with a lady named Cammie McArdle, and she's really amazing. And she said something one time that she had heard that I really liked. She said, music mm-hmm. is kind of like pizza. It's like, <laughs> you have to remember that like, just because you're pepperoni or someone's margarita pizza with basil or someone's gluten-free pizza or someone's like, mm-hmm. everyone has pizza that they, that, that that's what the pizza that they order. So I feel like yeah. it's more like that. Like a music consumer is going to listen to – is going to like pepperoni pizza no matter what. If they like country music, they're more likely to listen, maybe listen to mine than the, than the olive pizza. That might be Mediterranean. Yeah. Music. I don't know. I'm making this up as I go. But yeah. my point is, yeah. is and yeah. I think, I think <laughs> as musicians you have to kind of go, hey, the margarita pizza, which in my situation would be like let's say like Justin Bieber – I have to be like, hey, yeah. good for him. Like, good for him. <laughs> he He's connected with his fans. He's making great money. He's got this beautiful wife. Mm-hmm. Like, good for him. Like, you have to mm-hmm. be like, hey, yeah. go ahead, Justin Bieber. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of yeah. know that, like, whatever pizza you're making, you have to just make that pizza so great. And you have to feed your people yeah. that pizza the most mm-hmm. that you can mm-hmm. in the most generous way that you can. Give them as much pepperoni pizza as you that. can possibly give them. And then they're just going to want pepperoni pizza more because they've sampled it and they want it. And that's what they like now. So that's what I like to
0: do is just give pizza. And you're our our flavor. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's right. I love that announcement. And and there's something else, too, that I've been told. And, of course, again, I guess competition, I probably used the wrong word. Because, again, um, really in this day and time, it's about collaboration, not necessarily competition.
1: Well, and also, it's also about. Um, there's kind of enough space for all of us on the internet, if you think mm-hmm. about it. There's enough space oh, yeah. for all of us on the internet. So it's sure. just a whole new. It's a whole new world. It's a whole new. The whole new way of reaching people, you know, it's just it's just totally different. You know, you have outlets like TikTok now. You know.
0: Yep. Like you have all these <laughs> yep. different you, different you, outlets. You, you just never know what's going to be big. That's what's cool about. It. Again, you know. I'm not, you know. Again, I just know how tough the industry is. And again, it's I, you know, I don't care what part of music people are in. It's and really, any, I guess anything creative is probably the toughest industry out there.
1: Yeah, sure, art. In, in in any way, it's probably challenging, just to um, market and make sure that you're getting. <clears throat> Getting it out there, and that
0: heart. and that makes me come to the point where um, we're going to take a real quick commercial break, and then we're going to play your song break, and then we're going to talk about a little bit of music on that side of it. How's that sound?
2: Sounds great.
0: All right.
2: Hey, everyone. Easy, Yes, Wait a
0: minute. Song.
1: Wait a minute. I'm laughing because um, did you where did you guys play that
0: from? That they emailed me the song.
1: I'm laughing. That is the remix. That's uh, that was actually the remix. So that's you just debuted it. There you go. <laughs> 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 the oh, we love that. So, oh, well that <laughs> is the remix. That's it's too funny. funny. I'm like thanks for know, not be wow, streaming funny. Spotify. How funny. Okay. Well, there's the remix. <laughs>
0: Yeah. You know what's funny about that is um, uh, we've had a couple of different um, people that said the same thing where we end up with a song and we played it and they're they're like okay you just um, <laughs> they had no idea that that's the one that it. we got that's yeah. hilarious well, okay well there you go. <laughs>
1: awesome. <clears throat> But now so we'll, everybody so out there to go listen to the other, other version on Spotify or on one of the other places. <laughs> there <guess>. you
0: go. <laughs> but anyway, what so were you saying? So what's the inspiration behind it? So what's the inspiration behind the whole song?
1: So I released Me Again, which was at the end of uh, 2019. Mm-hmm. And that was about a really hard year that I had gone through, and it was, like, about the people that were around me. And then, after yeah. enough time went by, I was in a workout class, and I was doing some squats and I just heard breakthrough in my mind like that that i forget- i forgive you because I have to break through like I, like or i didn't I don't know exactly what I heard, but I heard something like that, and um mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I kind of heard that in my heart, and I had a writing session that afternoon with my friend adam who is uh who does beats, and so he he did he produced that track. And the remix, mm-hmm. <laughs> which you heard. Oh, wow. um, But anyway, uh, so so when I went to the writing session that day, I kind of had that thought, and we wanted to write something that was, like, about forgiveness and about, like, the power of letting go of stuff so that you can move on from mm-hmm. it. Because yeah, when you hold on to things, it really only hurts you. It doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. hurt the other person even as much as it hurts you. So I actually really did forgive in that moment. And so I was like, oh, okay, cool. Wow. Well, Might as well write a song about it.
0: (laughs) And, you know, there's a lot of, so much power in forgiveness. Like, I went through 19 years of addictions until God healed me over 12 years ago. But the first five years of our marriage was really hell on my wife. So through way more than she should have been put through. Wow, thanks for sharing. (laughs) But she stood behind me on that. And Mm -hmm. I remember in 2010, because it's 2007 when I felt like I got healed. But our marriage was still like stagnant until about 2010, a couple years later. And I remember I sat her down, and this, this, was, the, this was the moment that I believe that the healing started for her side because I already felt like God used Sandy to heal me. So it was my turn to allow God to use me to heal Sandy um, for the what damage I did. And I remember we sat, I sat her down and said, okay, I'm ready to hear. Tell me everything that I put you through, how you felt. Everything, and she told me. She goes, "Are you sure?" Because she was scared to say anything about that. Are you sure? I was like, "Yes, I'm ready to hear it." And she started telling me. And I'll be honest. A part of me was like, "Oh God, what have I done?" <laughs> you know, but I had to set my ego aside. You know, but that was. But I let her. I mean, about 60 minutes in, she was like really telling me this and that and this, and she told me things I had no idea I did. And at that moment because i listened she was able to fully forgive me now granted if you know if we wouldn't have been been split she could have forgave and like what you had to do you know but because we were married and all that i allowed her to kind of vent with me and forgiveness and understanding all happen all at once and we've had a powerful marriage since
1: Mm -hmm. wow thank you for sharing that that's
0: amazing Well, thank you. I mean, again, you know, we've, we've been through a lot, you know. Uh, you know, life is tough, but, you know, and that's what really I like our show is we, we want you to share things. We want us to share things, you know, so that the world can see. you know what, we're all connected in our own way. Um, it's really about the stories.
1: Yes. Absolutely. I love that. I love that mission. I think that's really great. And I feel like ever since so, um, i opened up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. ever since I opened up about my faith because I was in uh, Haiti that night at a, a dinner. The Mission of Hope yeah. brought us mm-hmm. out to this really nice dinner and I was on the ocean and you know me in the ocean I'm obsessed with the ocean. Um, but anyway <laughs> we're on the ocean. I really am. I love the ocean so much. But um, So we're on the ocean and we're hanging out and he just kind of at the dinner just kind of the whole time we were at the dinner he just kind of kept saying like hey you know I know that you're doing this work and stuff but you know really if you come out about your faith and you you're not afraid to tell, <laughs> just kind of speak about it, then, um, <laughs> you know, that would even deepen your connection with the people that that love you, you know? Yep. And he was right. Yep. I was like, okay, that's a great idea. Like that's, I'm I'm cool with that. So after that, I did that. And then ever since it's just been such a transparent, uh, thing. Like I don't have to, I can totally be
0: myself. It's great. <laughs> and I love that. I love that. Cause I remember, um, when we first launched the show back in January and, and by the way, we launched January third to show you our one hundred and tenth interview. Since then,
1: well, <laughs> um, amazing! I love it. I'm so and, honored.
0: Thanks. And um, I remember before we launched, though, I asked a friend of mine from Nashville, from Nashville, what advice would he give us? And I remember him telling us, hey, "Me, I give you one piece of advice." He says, "Whatever you do." Be and stay authentic. He says you could tell every Bobby Bones joke because he knows we kind of look up the Bobby Bones and Ty Bentley. You could tell every Bobby Bones joke. You could tell every Ty Bentley joke. He says you might can even do it pretty good. Who knows? You might even create an audience. But the day's going to come when authentic Chris comes out. And when that day comes, you'll probably lose most of your people, most of your audience because they were never attracted to authentic Chris. They were attracted to fake Chris. He says even there you if go. your show starts out exactly. And he says even if your show starts slower, it, it don't matter if you stay authentic. The right audience will come. And I've never I agree with that. that absolutely.
1: I agree with that hundred percent. That's totally true.
0: And plus, plus <coughs> work same way. you don't have to think. <laughs> exactly because I can, you know again I, you know like what's funny is we interviewed Jeff Coffey and I remember after we got done and we reshared the the interview and he reshared it. I went and looked at his comments, like the day after, and I seen it, one comment that I focused in on, and I was, and it said, um, told Jeff that your, um, the interview was awesome, but that host is windy, and I I had to ask Sandy, what does that even mean, what does that mean, because I didn't know, and she was like, I was oh, like, that I probably guess it means, means you're long-winded, long-winded. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I was like, and then I remembered what my friend told me, authentic, I was like, okay, I can deal with that. That's me. I mean, maybe sometimes I can talk a little less. I get that. But you know what? The talkative side is me. <laughs>
1: it is. That's... There you go. As long as you're authentic.
0: <laughs> the <clears throat> yeah. one thing I like to do on the show too is um, you know, everybody looks at you as the artist and they see um they don't see the PR people, they don't see the uh the producers, they don't see the songwriters and all that that's around you, but we both know that it takes a team to do what you need to do. Um, so can, you can take a few minutes to kind of talk about the team around you that helps you be who you are.
1: Oh, absolutely. What a great question. You know, no one ever asks that. Um, okay. So yeah, I can't really do anything anymore. I'm so spoiled. My team takes care of me so much. It's insane. Like it's crazy. Um, I have a publicist, obviously. I have a stylist, so I have a girl who helps me make sure that whatever um, event I'm going to, playing, attending, that I'm in a piece that is cool and comfortable uh, and that my garment isn't, you know, like if I'm – she even looks up, like, a stage. Like, if there's, like, a couple that's going to be sitting right underneath the stage because it's, like, a dinner show, she makes Mm -hmm. sure that I'm in a pant. Like, she, like, looks into all the details. She makes sure – Whatever I'm wearing is in season. Uh, She really guides me through that. Um, I have Mm -hmm. um, Chris, who's my saxophone player, who literally drives me every single where I go. He does not even let me drive ever. (laughs) It's amazing. We go all over the world, and he drives. It's amazing. So he's almost like my saxophone player, keyboard player, co-writer, driver, best friend. Oh, wow. Yeah, he's a great guy, Chris Schaffner. He's such a great guy. He—you'll never meet a, great, a better person than him. He's just incredible. Uh, and then, um, you know, I've got my manager who's out there trying to make sure that opportunity is created for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I have my social media director who handles my social media pages and makes sure that fake profiles are are um, reported and that fans oh, wow. are being answered and that content online is clean and we remove hate and we remove uh we remove you know things that are unnecessary and block yeah. people and you know and maintain the social media world or worldwide presence that we have um i have a guy who main who does my warehouse and fulfills my merch orders online so that i don't have to hmm. you know write the addresses out and stuff you know they handle that fulfilling side of my inventory i have a a booking agent who takes the gig that comes in and, and turns it into a show. Um I yeah. have my band, my guitar player, my my drummer, my uh bass player, I have my video girl, Victoria Metzger who's a freaking superstar and she rocks, man. She can do anything video-wise. So she I don't I can't even function without her. She's my right-hand girl. Mhm. And then I've got Hunter yeah. who helps me with like you know, Amazon and the book stuff and the world of, you know, publishing and, and, mm-hmm. you know, BMI and, you know, so there's just all the, I mean, wow. I, I can continue. I have interns <laughs> from Belmont. I have five interns from Belmont that grind for me and make sure that little, mm-hmm. because there's a lot of I's and T's that have to be crossed, yeah but they don't have to take up all your time. Exactly. That's the that's the thing as an artist. If you think that you can do everything yourself and that you don't have to pay anybody, you're eventually going to hit a plateau. You're never mm-hmm. going to grow into the fullest version of yourself if you can't recognize that this other person's better than you at something. So therefore, you're going to hire them. You're yeah. going to only plateau. Exactly. You're going to never. Yeah. So my goal is to grow my brand, you know, exponentially. So I just want to keep on doing that. So if I know that someone's better, you can do what you do best. Yeah. My time should be spent working out. I mean, sorry, thanks, but that's the thing that has to happen. Uh, eating clean, practicing music, performing music, making videos, doing stuff that only I can do. So I've done, I feel like I've done a good job with like building a team to where I know that this person handles this or this person handles this. But that took a long time. So what did your family think you know? about this? Um I had a nice uh, lunch with my dad the other day and we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, how I'm my goals for like the next six to twelve months. Um mm-hmm. as far as, you know, how to handle the situation that we're in. Mm-hmm. So we we've you know, we've we've uh we've talked about it in a way, but at the same time, um, you know, when you have your own business, and anybody listening to me mm-hmm. right now that owns their own company and has their own business, um, yep. you have to trust your team most, even before yep. your family, mainly because they are professionals at that gig. So, like my CPA is, that- is going to know the mm-hmm. most about taxes. My, you know, and I, I forgot yep, to mention him. True. I even have a <laughs> business manager, someone who pays my payroll. I mean, it's a whole operation. Oh, wow. <laughs> It's a whole and, operation, and that's the part people We're don't really
0: get. P- People don't realize. I, I remember a quote that I heard recently that Justin Bieber said that what it used to take six people to do for him now it takes three hundred. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> <And> so, <laughs> yeah, I I believe in that. <laughs> so, but it's again, been great, you know, you know? And, and, and and people miss that side of it. They don't, you know, it is a business, you know. If you want to keep it a hobby, you could probably do everything yourself and maybe break even. But if you want it to be a career, it's, it's got to be a business.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. Maybe there's something that, that I do enjoy about, you know, having mm-hmm. a team. I really like that. Yeah. I, I like yeah. it. It makes me feel good to pay my people. It makes me feel good to make sure that, you know, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's something about that as a business owner that <laughs> – you yeah. can't lie. You do get a thrill out of, you know, you like that you can pay your employees on time. <laughs> you're like you're helping the
0: economy, too.
1: Yeah, I mean, it just feels good. And then it feels good to be like, you know, dang, I don't feel like dealing with that. I'm going to go lay out and get some sun and text this person, and they're going to do it, you know? <laughs> it's just way more efficient. Yeah, that's a... I even joked yeah, with my exactly. team, and I said, I want to make a T-shirt for myself <laughs> that says, can you just do it? Because that's what I always say. Can you just do it? <laughs> Can you just do it? <laughs> and they always say yes. Uh, I'm like, love... Okay,
0: fine. I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. <laughs> I need um, to
1: add a please. Can you just do it, please?
0: <laughs> and, and, and we always kind of say that we've got a third team member that we bring on to ask one question. Our little eight-year-old, we, he, he's like our third little party here. <laughs> and, and when Caitlin gets old enough, we'll bring her on too. But. Right now, little well, Chris is here, so he's going to jump on real quick and ask you one question. Because we are a family affair. <laughs>
2: hey, Chris. Good.
0: Hey,
2: here's Christopher. Okay. Hi, Kira. What's your favorite food?
1: Hey, Christopher. Here. <laughs> what's your favorite food? <laughs> what's my favorite soup?
0: Yes. Food.
1: Oh, food. What's my favorite food? Oh, man. there's so many great foods out there. What a hard question. Why would you have to save the hard question for last? Um, I really like seafood. I really like fish, shrimp, crawfish, um, lobster. I'm really into seafood. Anything in the ocean, pretty much, except obvious things, but mainly fish.
0: <laughs> yeah. <That's> awesome. <laughs> And what's yours, little Chris?
1: Pizza. Pizza? I'm not surprised. <laughs>
0: he, he could eat it. Okay, bye. <laughs> bye. <laughs> he, he comes and goes. He comes as quick as he goes. But, but he enjoys that. And every Pretty much every episode, but maybe a couple, he's been on and asked one question. So that's been pretty cool for him. Oh, oh yeah. very cool. <laughs> so if you could co-write with anyone, dead or alive, Who would it be and what would you want to write about?
1: I think I would like to write with Lori McKenna.
0: And I would like to write
1: about. I think I would like to write about probably a love song with Lori McKenna.
0: (laughs) That would be awesome. So, um, what song out there right now that's current, it's pretty current, that you've heard and you're like, I wish I wrote that?
1: Um, gosh, there's so many.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's current.
0: Um, well, I guess it don't have to be current, really. It could be, you know, if there's an older song that you're like, you know what? I would have loved to have been that writer.
1: Probably The House That Built Me, man. That song is so amazing.
0: That is good. That's a good song. Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. goodness.
1: Imagine walking in and being like, hey, y'all, here's a song I wrote. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like the ultimate. That would be the one that I would want to just go ahead and add to my catalog and act like Tom Tom <laughs> Douglas just didn't write it at all. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> that is
0: awesome.
2: It's I really incredible.
0: It. So I'm about, so I'm about to ask a question. There's a purpose on the way I asked this, and I'll say the purpose right after I ask the question. But if you had a magic wand, And what you're about to say would 100% come true. Where do you want to be in five years? And the reason I'm asking it in that way is this past February made five years that we asked that same question to Kelsey Ballerini. And the answer she gave us five years ago was to the T what she's living right now. I mean she knew the vision. She knew where she was going. So if all bets were off, and I like to get artists to really think about that. That's why I bring up that story. um, If all bets were off, where do you want to be in five years?
1: I think I'd like to have a really awesome, huge, global business. I'd like to sing Mm -hmm. at the Grand Ole Opry and have a great relationship with the Opry. I would like to, yeah, I would like to have a hit song um, that did really, really well for me so that I could Mm -hmm. um, play bigger shows and have a larger uh, reach. And I think that I would like to um, have a family and be able to have – That's a good one. Uh, yeah, and be able to have external brands as well, like, um, mm. you know, a wine company and a book. And oh, wow. I kind of want my brand wow. to be, yeah, I kind of <clears> want my <throat> brand to be big with with a lot of layers and successful. What's the message playing, you want
0: out? What's what, From your brand, what's the message you want to send?
1: Well, Waldrop Worldwide is about community.
0: So oh, I, we
1: haven't even talked about Waldrop Worldwide. That's crazy. We haven't even talked about it. I'll make it quick. So Waldrop Wide is a million yeah. people across the globe who follow me online through all the platforms, Facebook, Instagram, oh, wow. all of them. <clears throat> it's about a million mm-hmm. people. It's just over a million mm-hmm. people. And, uh, and these people are people who at any point have a community of people all across the world online. So we mm-hmm. are based in my music. My music is like the root of it. But when you go to my page, everything is a community. So we have a lot mm-hmm. of um, people reaching out to each other, people that are friends with each oh, other. There's a lot of live streaming going on. There's a lot of commenting to mm-hmm. each other. We have a supporter page. We have hardcore fans that communicate with each other. They, they'll come to the show together. They'll, they'll stay in hotel rooms <laughs> together. They book oh, wow. up. it's like a really cool, <laughs> yeah. it's called Waldrop Worldwide. And they're like, you know, I have fans I have that are friends from Germany to Texas that are friends, yeah. that pen pals. You know, oh, wow. Waldrop Worldwide is like, so my message is community for sure. It's um, definitely awesome. community. It's, uh, I've had a lot of people reach out to me and tell me that they were depressed or going through
0: mm-hmm. suicidal
1: thoughts and they have reached mm-hmm. out and said, and so I actually have a song that i just, just finished that's actually a um a suicide awareness song and my point is community if you feel like you are wanting to be a part of something and it's completely for free all you have to do Mm -hmm. is like my facebook page and you're in and you just all you have to do is accept the world for equality and love every people Mm -hmm. all the people and be nice Mm -hmm. then you have Mm -hmm. this really cool page that you have a community on and if you're traveling like i've had i've had fans reach out to other fans and say hey, Can we stop in? They'll have them for like a house dinner. I mean, it is a community mm-hmm. thing, and I'm really, really proud of that. I'm really proud of the I fact that a lot that. of my fans feel like they have this hub of safe place that they can mm-hmm. always go and listen to positive music that makes them feel good mm-hmm. and
0: communicate with positive people.
1: I love oh, that. I really love, love that, that message,
0: you know, because we in this day and time you kind of need it, so I love that message. And we're down to two yeah. questions left, so, and, then, and we'll let you get back to what you were doing. Don't want to take up too much more of your time. But I, like, I always like to give artists 60-plus minutes so that we can kind of get their story out because there's not a lot of platforms that people can do that who are not the big artists yet. So that's one of the things we wanted to do with our show is make it long enough so their stories can be out. So um, let's say you had a friend, and you heard a, him or her sing. And, they, and you could tell there's something special about it. Now, this would be pre-COVID advice, to so keep that in mind. And let's say that you, you heard them sing. They've got something special. They've played maybe 20 shows. but so They're still just getting their feet wet, but they've gotten on that stage. And they've looked over the crowd with the crowd cheering, and they got what every artist says they get, that stage bug. And they're like, they feel like this is what they're supposed to do. They come to you, and they say, Karen, I just know deep down this is what I'm supposed to do with the rest of my life. What advice would you give that specific person that will help guide them the next two, three, four years?
1: Um, gosh, my brain's going in two places. <laughs> um, my, brain, my brain's going in two places. One, one place is maybe a, an artist that's a little bit more established than 20 shows. So let me go with the basic one. And then I'll answer the other one. But the first person I would say, if they were like, I haven't really made any money yet and I just, I think this is fun. I would just probably Mm -hmm. say, you know, sit down. (laughs) And I would probably sit down with them and be like, if you really think that this is what you want to do, you need to like that and make sure that you're willing Mm -hmm. to do whatever it takes because it's a lot of, of um, hard work and a lot of, I just, I wish I could go back to the Karen Waldorf who was so concerned and kind of shake her a little and be like, hey, if you just like give your music, if you give your music to God and you trust that he'll take it, like Mm -hmm. he will. And and then you got to work hard too, but like he will take it. Now, I will say the second artist, which would be like someone who's like making money in their town and they're like, oh my gosh, Mm -hmm. last year I made, last year I made $30,000 making music and I feel Mm -hmm. like I should move to Nashville and take it to Mm -hmm. the next level. I would say get a business manager. Get a business manager. Have a person mm-hmm. who can help you with advice. your money, and make sure that you are um, spending properly. Make sure that you're mm-hmm. budgeting properly, and make sure that you are um, depositing properly. Play by the books. Um, don't, don't. If you're transparent in your business, you're mm-hmm. going to be cool because no matter what happens, you're going to be covered. And this is a great example, what just yeah. happened with the stimulus package. Like. Because I was yeah. playing by the books and I was filing my taxes like everybody else, I got the stimulus. You know, heck yeah. So when you're <laughs> yeah. the books, you're going to be better in the end. So don't take your little money from the club and go to the mall. Like do it the proper yeah. way. Make the deposit. You know, pay your mm-hmm. – because you're going to have to pay website fees. You're going to have to pay all this BS that comes along with running the business that you just have yeah. to. There's really no other way. There's really just no other way.
0: Yeah, I love that answer. As we come to our last question, um, and I know you've done a lot of interviews, so what's a question that you wish hosts like us would ask but they kind of never do?
1: Um, I would say, like, you know, how are you nurturing the people who love your music? How how, How are you continuing to feed them the pizza? How are you Mm -hmm. continuing to, and if you're, if you just tuned in, that was an analogy from earlier that I used, but, um, but how are you, yeah. How are you, you know, the Oak Ridge boys said it best and I heard them Mm -hmm. speak one time and they said when you're on stage, when you give music, like when you walk on stage, Mm -hmm. what happens is, and and you guys, anybody that's listening, that's a musician knows this feeling when you walk on stage, you haven't given anything yet. So the crowd's very like, Hey, like they're like receptive, but they're not, they're not giving you yet. They're not giving, you don't, they don't yeah. give you first, right? So you, there you are, mm-hmm. and you have to give. And the Groker's voice said, when you get on stage, you focus first on just giving, 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 giving as many mm-hmm. songs as it takes. And eventually it will happen. If you just keep giving mm-hmm. that the crowd will shift and they will start giving back in one way mm-hmm. shape or the other energy, um, if you're bar band tips, uh, screaming, uh, yelling, we love you, whatever their, whatever their culture mm-hmm. teaches them to do, banners, uh, they're going to do that. And then you're going to do that back. And then you're going to go back and forth all night long. That was their advice. Oh, wow. So I use the same exact advice wow. on, the, on the web. You know, it's my job mm-hmm. to give. And then
0: I receive. Yeah. And then I give.
1: And it just works. And it's worked that way ever since 2016.
0: That is that is really awesome, and it made me think of a story. I remember um, um, Gabby Barrett's dad telling a story that, because you know, until she got signed, he pretty much helped run a lot of stuff. I mean, for ten years to get Gabby Barrett where she was able to get to that point. And I remember him telling a story that he would so many times he'd watch Gabby get on the stage, and a lot of the, and of course a lot of the girls were not there for her; they were there for the main singer. And they would have their arms crossed, and they're just like, he said, they'd be just not worried about her, and their lip poked out and just waiting. And he says, by the time she gets to two, three, four, five songs, whatever it took, he says, it's an amazing thing that would happen. All of a sudden, the, girl that, the girls that act like they hated her now started loving her.
1: Absolutely. you got to get them, but you have to give until that moment happens. You, nobody owes you their ear.
0: Mm.
1: Nobody They don't you know So I it's like mm-hmm. a privilege for them to Listen to my music so That's why mm-hmm. I believe in giving first and then And then the gifts come back in the strangest Ways I was actually talking to my friend Dawn Breyer the other day and she's really Amazing mm-hmm. online too and we were chit Chatting and um and she Was just kind of saying the same thing like wow The gifts come in such strange ways Like <laughs> sponsorship <laughs> Like the sponsorships and mm-hmm and cookies and, you know, things in the mail. And it's just amazing. Like people send me all kinds of amazing stuff. So it's really nice. People are really nice to me.
0: They take care of me. I guess in a way that's what we're doing because, again, like I said, you know, with our show right now we don't really have a sponsor yet. I mean, eventually we will. The goal is eventually to make money with this. But, you know, we've done 110 interviews now. And we're we're at that part where we're giving, 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 giving. So, you know, we get it.
2: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Yes.
0: <clears throat> and you know what? As you know, as they say, that's kind of a wrap. So if you want to tell everybody how they can reach out to you at this point, that'd be great.
1: Yeah. Thanks everybody for listening. Um, it's Karen Waldrop, and you guys can join Waldrop Worldwide by going to Karen Waldrop's Facebook page, obviously with the um, blue check mark. Instagram, Karen Waldrop Music. You can follow me on TikTok, um, YouTube. You know, all the above. But, yeah, check out the music. It's all over anywhere you can stream music, and I uh, hope it makes you feel good. And, yeah, become Walter And <laughs> <laughs> And
0: And, you know, we really enjoyed having you on the show today, and we look forward to watching your career blossom because it's definitely doing that. And we look forward to the day where we can have you back down the road.
1: Yeah. All right. Thank you, guys. Have a great week.
0: You oh, too. You too. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Hey, everyone. Hope you really enjoyed the show. Um, Karen is really awesome. Go look her up. Go find stuff on her. Um, She's definitely going places. And tomorrow, two shows coming for you tomorrow. So we're excited about that. Until then, we'll see you then.